Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hashtag Clocked In with me, your host, Jordan Edwards. I'm thrilled to have you tune in as we dive into the dynamic world of productivity, success, and stories of incredible individuals who've mastered the art of getting things done. Whether you're commuting, hitting the gym, or just relaxing at home, this podcast is the go-to source for inspiration and actionable tips to level up your productivity game. I'm on a mission to unravel the secrets of those who seem to effortlessly manage their time and achieve their goals. So if you're ready to clock in and unlock your full potential, you're in the right place. We've got a lineup of amazing guests, industry experts, and thought leaders who will share their insights and strategies to help us crush your to-do list and make the most out of every moment. Get ready to get inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to supercharge your productivity. This is Hashtag Clocked In with Jordan Edwards. Let's dive in. Hey, what's going on, guys? We've got a special guest today, Jason Azevedo. He's had a heart in business development since an early age, starting a very successful apparel company that grew from a humble garage beginnings to an annual gross billings of over a million dollars at the age of 15. By 18, Jason was doing millions in business with Starbucks, Nike, Disney, Marvel, Volkswagen, and more. And now in 2021, Jason co-founded Merca, Manufacturing Revitalization Company of America. Jason, how are we doing today? We're super excited to have you. Doing good. Thank you for having me on. Really appreciate it. Yeah, we're excited to have you here on the Clocked In Podcast. Now, you're going to have to back me up, Jason. 15 years old, millions. How does this even happen? So we, my, my brother and I started the, uh, the original company. And we, we started in February of 2007. Um, so what ends up happening is we get going. Uh, I, I'm in high school. We're... We're, we're those kids that are like, oh, we're going to start a company and make lots of money and it's going to be great. And the genius idea is we're going to make t-shirts. Um, and it come about fall of 2007, uh, early 2008, the entire market in the United States, no matter what market you're in, just explodes. And all <laughs> of a sudden we're sitting there, we'd, we'd spent the very little money we had. We started the company with $600, had built up some money, bought equipment. And then all of a sudden we're sitting there going, there's no market left. Like everything just dissipated overnight. And it was yeah. a rude awakening. Um, we, we learned very quickly that you, you got, you're, you have to differentiate yourself. Um, and we decided to go take on the most complex product project we possibly could um, because that is what people were still, still spending money on in that space. So we started working on, getting these crazy projects full of crazy projects usually were coming from the craziest companies that the ones that wanted to push the envelope, but they were sick of being told no, because no one else wanted to touch projects. So we just started going after them and we get and, and finding these, like every, everybody's been told, no, that's not going to happen. We're like, you know what? We'll try it. Let's go for it. And started doing really cool stuff. And that, that built a name for us. And we just kept on, kept on kind of tuning. How do you, how do you stay on that cutting edge and 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 really keep a shop going? I mean, at one point, I think the average age of our employees was under nineteen. Um, like it was, it was a bunch of high school kids and and like early college kids running these crazy things because those are the people we knew <laughs> they, they were that they were 
and and it uh, it was cool because we knew we were so green we didn't know what we didn't know so it yeah. allowed us to just have our open minds here to take on crazy stuff um and it, we had a we had a blast doing it it was like everyone else getting bored about what they're doing we're just like every day was a whole different uh whole different philosophy so it was it, it built from there so at this point you're saying that you're part were you partially in high school partially doing the business how is this part, like so, so i yeah so i would um i'm in high school um i like i said we started with 15 um i'm in high school i had a deal with most of my teachers that um especially like the early periods um that if i could get uh, if i could do well enough on the section test ahead of time they'd let me sleep in the class so i i i distinctly remember a calculus teacher I, I'm amazed he let me do this, but I literally would sleep in his class in the morning because we. I'd go to school. I had the like seven a.m. Uh, start, yeah. and I go go three or three or four classes, and would grab some food, drive to the the factory. We would run till three four in the morning, get a little bit of sleep, go back to school, kind of walk through as this groggy like zombie and repeat it again and again and that's that's how we got it going at first and it was it, it was just sheer red like our diets were pretty much red bull and beef jerky like it, it, that was that was our sustenance every every day oh my god i love it and when you were talking about these projects these crazy projects obviously you don't have to get into the specifics but like give us an example of like what's a crazy product um, that maybe other people weren't open to taking and it was due to the complexity yeah. that at so, the time people, it worked for you guys. So um, I, can, I can give an example of uh, one of the ones we did. So we had, we actually printed this giant muffin on a shirt. Okay. It was, it was gaudy. Like it was just way over the top. Um, and where the muffin, um, kind of the muffin top came on, it all the inks were like puffy they were almost like puffy paint um so it felt like the texture of an actual muffin and then we figured out how to homogenize um vanilla uh essential oil into the inks so that it smelt like a, a vanilla cupcake at all times um and then it had like sparkle to it and all this and then all of it was being done with the most healthy inks that were in existence yet because right around then um, they were changing the laws that you had to use phthalate, uh, no, no phthalates, uh, within inks. So we're doing this with inks that are completely untested and people are like, what, is, what's the point of this? Like, it's cause we can't. And like every little kid loves having uh, this giant, um, puffy piece. Uh, another one that we did a, uh, for a certain superhero, um, the, uh, a very well-known superhero, we actually developed the, um, arm sleeves for how it created all the contouring and all of the effects that were being done on the sleeve um had a, co a costume designer walk in one day and he's just like i have a crazy idea and i heard you guys are crazy enough to listen to me <laughs> okay sure let's, let's talk about it so that was it, it was all it was all sorts of stuff like that um it was we we're always kind of just trying to push the envelope on what what was really possible 
um, and really how to get a nice, good quality product with that kind of craziness. Wow. That now, now I get the picture of what you're really talking about. That's interesting. Um, yeah, it's fascinating how differentiating yourself and even at a younger age, it doesn't matter, but that can give you access to what not everyone else is doing because everyone else is kind of sticking to their lane and they go, we don't do that. And it's like, no, we can try whatever. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, and, and, and the beauty of it is, is really sometimes it's nice to not know what you don't know. Like it, it, we were doing stuff. Everyone's like, that's not going to work. We're like, we don't know what's not going to work. Like, we had at one point, we had designed overhead projection systems. So all of, and we got into doing like actual fabric too and, and all of that, not just like t-shirts. Um, we had overhead projection systems so that the operators could see everything they were going to print on the entire item before it ever even got on, before it had a touch of ink. So people would come in and we've got these technological advancements because we're, we're having to push things so far that we, our guys need way more back in support. So we've got literally like projectors hanging from the ceiling that are per- putting a perfect image down. They can check everything they're doing against it. And we all of it had to be developed in-house because none of it existed. Um, actually, we, we made a machine one time uh, using – it was to put um, kind of furry flock onto a, a piece of clothing. And we charged the machine – with a hundred thousand volts at like a tenth of an amp, and accidentally shocked me. <laughs> it's about forty-five minutes. We're just down for the count. I'm like, Ooh, we shouldn't be building our own machines all the time. <laughs> but but that's what you do when you you're, you're trying to push that envelope, especially when you're just starting out in business. You you don't have the opportunity to just go buy every off the shelf thing. You really got to get innovative and start developing. Yeah, and get creative because the disposable income, and that that's what happens is a lot of people as they each up and go higher they aren't penny pinching anymore they're like oh we'll buy that five thousand dollar machine that we can make for two hundred dollars like <laughs> it happens all the time but i, I just bring this up because it's very uh it's part of it's your just, success story it's something that made you unique and what you and your brother did yeah i mean well and as we moved on to more and more manufacturing companies and doing wider range of products than just clothing a lot of the same skills that we had developed to run a, an entire facility where everybody's like 17 to 19 years old. You learned how to work with people really well. You learned how, how to get these systems really in place and how to develop people really well. Um, because we couldn't go out and buy the guy with 30 years knowledge because we couldn't afford it. Like it, So you really got to the point that you learned how to really work with your employees, really develop them, um, and how to develop systems that functioned even when you didn't have everything and till this day we hold those very very important to us because you you learned more having to be scrappy than you you ever will with a giant checkbook absolutely that's um one of tony robbins things where he says it's better to be uh resourceful than have resources because yeah. the more resourceful you are the more you can get done yeah and now it is nice to be resourceful and have resources. That that is <laughs> that always works out real nice. <laughs> so, um, so to fast forward a little bit, I know you did some companies, but that that resourceful and resources that's kind of where you're at today, right? With uh, yeah. with uh, Merca, yeah, what so what, we start- what what's going so on? We started, yeah, so we started MRCA um, about about a year ago. 
Um, and the whole concept behind it is there are amazing legacy U.S. manufacturing companies throughout the, the country. Um, these are usually second uh, second generation companies, um, and they are pillars of their community. They're very good at what they do, um, but they need some revitalizing. Usually, the owners are getting to the point that they they know they're about to retire. They kind of really the property's still profitable. It's still a great company, but they're they don't know what what their next step is. And oftentimes now, because we've for some reason programmed everybody that manufacturing isn't isn't great, which is completely wrong. Um, it, it's some of the best paying jobs in the U.S. Um, it's the the old school mentality of like dirty, dangerous factories. That's not really the, the case anymore. Most factories can have white, clean floors. Um, at Tesla, their entire plant is is white. Um, so that really, what we decided with MRCA was to walk in and go buy these companies. Um, use the years and years and years of skills we've learned of how to connect them and intertwine these companies and really get the people to work together and get the organizations to work together. And we're going to conglomerate them probably uh, for over the next five to seven years. And then we're actually going to turn around and transfer 100% of the ownership of the companies to the employees within them um, so that we really protect those local communities instead of a typical conglomerate that's going to come in and kind of strip mine the companies and then move the jobs to all one central location. We're really, we're, we're protecting these local communities. Um, and what, it, it's really cool because as we go pick up all these, every single plant we go into, they're good at something that someone else isn't because all of these guys have been resourceful for years. They've, they've built these companies. They know what they're doing. So when you can cross-pollinate that across an entire portfolio of manufacturing companies, you start seeing this massive expansion because the ideas are all there openly being shared and everybody has the common goal that when we're done, they're all going to own the company and we're and the general partners are going to step out and, and transfer that ownership to them. So that's, that's what we're working on uh, right now. It's a really exciting thing, we, uh, especially with what you're seeing in the supply chain. We, we very heavily believe that people are starting to realize that reshoring a lot of this is incredibly important. Um, and frankly, it's the things that are great benefits for the people within them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the things you mentioned is that you were talking about, uh, how people go into manufacturing areas. What was, what was the real change? Like what's the normal conglomerate doing versus what you're doing? Are you good? You're breaking, you're breaking up really bad. I can barely hear you. It shows you have one. I just got you back. Okay. We'll just keep going and I'll edit it later. Um, are you good? Yeah, let me maybe hop on. Yeah. I'm on the Wi-Fi right now. Are you on your Wi-Fi? Yeah, I'm on my Wi-Fi. And it seems now it's fine. It just for a minute there kind of broke up. Okay, all good. All good. Um, so where were we at? Yeah. So let's get back to. <clears throat> so we'll like cut. We'll restart it. Yeah. But basically, what I was my question was is in regard to manufacturing. What are the normal conglomerates doing versus what your you guys are doing, and what distinguishes 
uh, like if you could give an example, what distinguishes a certain manufacturing town? Okay, so we'll start first off with a normal conglomeration does. Um, oftentimes, these companies are going to come in, they're going to buy a bunch of plants, they're going to take the best business and equipment out of the plants, combine them all into one giant plant in a city that they choose. Um, usually a place that they're going to get really great tax benefits or that they already have something or that, that, that but it's really kind of a strip mining. They go in, um, they, they go in, they, for all intents and purposes, they got the companies. Um, and we're the opposite of that because when you buy a legacy company, if you strip it, you just threw away the legacy and that's the value in it. So a company that's been doing something for 50, 60 years and has guys in there that are the set, they're the second generation working in the, in the company. They understand things that nobody else does because they lived it, breathed it. So if we can take that knowledge base and add in new equipment or new processes or new information from another one of our plants, it, it we get this expansive growth within it. Um, the other thing too is because nowadays geographical location within the U.S. is incredibly important. We're looking at shipping prices, so us having plants dotted throughout the country is incredibly valuable. Um, I've got we've got one um, client asked us to put an additional plant in uh, Boise, Idaho, recently, and it just so happened another process that we that we're looking at the there it happens to be in Boise, Idaho, and we're like, great, we'll just cross pollinate these plants. And make sure that they, we, we've got these coming together. So that's that, that's really the, the difference in focus is we're we lo- we like that broken geographic, keeping those original people uh, or keeping people there, getting that information that that just ingrained it's been there forever information, and then overlaying new styles of processes and new styles of manufacturing. Um, that match what the modern world is. Um, the other part too is, is a lot of people are going when they conglomerate, um, they, they've got a really old mentality in, the, in my mind. So when manufacturing began to leave the United States, we it was products were very simple. It was all made of metal, or it was all made of plastic, or try to find a product and have eight different processes. In it, so it, the more the bigger the video that you've got, the more you become a solution for your for the customers instead of just being oh, okay. I do the metal, do the plastic, and and they organize where all this stuff goes. Okay, so you're saying it, it used to be very very simple, and now it's the iPhone, for example. It's a very yeah, complex process. exactly. Yeah, and, um, and it's everything you you own is no longer a simple process. Like we have engineered ourselves into corners, which is good because we're getting great products out of it. But the mentality has to shift that it's you're a part of a larger chain and we choose to own the majority of our chain so that we, we can really provide a solution to our clients. And this is um, basically uh, a lot of this came up years ago. And this is from someone who's not manufacturer, like. This is just like the normal perspective of like uh, Apple caught some slack because they were doing some stuff with, uh, I mean, but all the big businesses, everyone's out in China because you can get lower costs, right? Isn't that? 
with the, so they- the, that's with a grain of salt. Okay. Um, so Apple actually has uh, about, I think it was about five, six years ago. They actually released a report that they could produce the iPhone cheaper in the United States than they can in China. Oh, wow. um, so, so that, that's a, that, that's a, that, that's a fallacy. Um, okay. that China's automatically cheap. There are things, and this came up in the report, um, from Apple that, um, that were that that are their key important concepts. First off, the U.S. is very very large, so the shipping of products between factories to have different steps done is is detrimental to the cost. Um, the uh, U.S. manufacturers aren't always known to play with each other the best, um, so that caused some headache. Um, and then the other one was that the U.S. is missing some industrial engineering capacity. Um, but if you look at it, Foxconn, who makes the iPhone, who's arguably one of the most complex manufacturers in the world, they're in the process of putting a, a plant to build iPhones in Wisconsin. This is the, the, the fallacy that it's cheaper to do it in China. It's not. Now, there are certain things. Like if you want a hand-painted little mini doll, that is so labor-intensive that okay you use unfair labor wages in china and you can eat and you can you can paint your little mini doll there but the the reality is nowadays in modern manufacturing so many of these processes are automated and done with machinery it is no longer automatically cheaper to do business wow that's fascinating um so it, it's and i i go back I go back to Foxconn is is building a U.S. plant because they're like, hey, this is actually better for us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, so this is the stuff that like the regular people don't know. Like, this is really fascinating. So that whole made in America is I, obviously there is a big stamp on if it's made in America, people are more excited about it and it's doing better. But for the cost to actually be less due to technology upgrades is really interesting. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at it, let's go into the, even the automotive industry. The Asian car manufacturers, which you would think, if you use that that same logic train, why wouldn't they build their cars in Asia? They have more more American plants than American car manufacturers do. There's there's this breakdown where people haven't quite. Twenty years ago, China was cheap, um, yeah. and, and because technology hadn't advanced enough. But that that day's ending. Uh, it's and then and then you take into uh, the account of just security of supply chains. It's probably a good idea to have our supply chains somewhat controlled by at least allies, not adversaries. So yeah, it, yes, it's, we're, <laughs> we're seeing, no, Jason. I completely agree. I mean, we're seeing that a lot with uh, with everything going on with the the war right now. There's a lot of crazy things happening and. For someone to just shut the ability for someone to go and China can just go, no, no more shipping, no more, or we're just going to put a tariff on shipping cost. That would be detrimental. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, I, I, I always try to make sure I, I hit that because I understand normal people, you were trained and I was the same way. It's cheaper in China. And it really is, unless you're in an incredibly labor intensive um, item. Because at the end of the day, China is able to use wa- wages that are nowhere near what yeah. they should be. They're, they're, they're non-living. Um, and the other time is if it's environmentally really bad. Um, because the, the, the U.S. does protect its environment and does have rules to it. And 
a lot of other a lot of low wage countries just don't care. Um, and so you, very environmentally uh, dangerous items also don't uh, don't always make sense in the US. But the reality is the majority of items are are now or are becoming um, competitive in the US again. Absolutely. So for you going into starting Merca and just buying up these plants, what's the thought process? Is it really just how can we interconnect everything and make this system work for everybody, for the for the different landowners, for the different farmlands, for the different people that are in the, each of these towns, and then just seeing how everyone can cross pollinate together and how it can make something really special, especially with that yeah. many say. So, um, on average, we're reviewing fifty, let's say about fifty to sixty companies a week. Um, oh, wow. Of that, um, three to four make it to step two of the review. Um, so we are very selective. Um, there are things that we look for. Um, we look for owners that truly care about their people um, because that's a culture that has to exist for us. Um, how do you? Uh, how do you? Not to cut you off there, but how do you check? How do you check that out? How do you? So, what, what's the indicator for you? W- when we do our initial meetings with any owner, um, you, 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 there are easy tells. Um, if the owner spends his entire time talking about the numbers or talking about the products, um, and we ask a lot of questions about the, the humans and, and ask, hey, what do you do for them? What, what does it look like when this happens? And you can just kind of tell if somebody really cares about the people. Um, it's not an absolute no to us, but we do like to find companies that the people are cared for. Um, first off, because those are the type of sellers that I want to do business with. Um, and beyond that, it, it's if somebody's if somebody's been cared for, they're in a good position for us to kind of revitalize that job and push it forward. Um, if a company and we, and we do see this, and it, it's sad. Sometimes you walk into a company and the people are being treated horribly. And you're like, well, then that's not a good con- that doesn't have a good legacy attached to it. So you're you're get you're making it work just because you're you're a bulldog and you're you're attacking it, largely attacking the employees to get more out of them. Um, so we will we we take that into a heavy account of just kind of what does that look like. Um, other one is look at the general area that they're in. Um, how important is this company to the, um, is the, another, another big one is, are they a living wage for that area? Um, so really trying to understand there's, I, I've got one seller right now. He spends all year long excited buying Christmas presents for the Christmas giveaway. And he'll dress up as Santa Claus and give it all up. And I heard this story. I'm like, I want to, I want to do business with you. Like that was, it was like, if you spend your whole year just excited about being able to give back to your people on that, that week, that's it. Like that, I know that we can do something together because your, your heart's in the right place. So you, so you, you built a company that matches them. Yeah. Okay. So it's really the indicator on knowing that it's about the people and really helping these people and, yeah, yeah you, when you guys go in, you don't even want them. Do you even want the people to realize that it's new ownership? I mean, so it, when we buy when, when we buy a place, we will, we immediately announce it's new ownership. Um, of course, and then we also yeah. 
We also have to acknowledge, we also have to announce to the employees, hey, by the way, when we're done with this, we're transferring all the ownership to you too. <laughs> um, like they, they, and that you always get this like questioned, questionable face of like, wait, what? No, 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 this doesn't make sense. We're like, we'll, we'll show you guys, we'll map out how this all works. But it, I'm promising you when I'm done here, you're going to own the, you're going to own the company. Um, so, um, but when we go in initially, um, to like do a site uh, visit or a tour, um, you'd be amazed how much you could tell by the cleanliness of, of employee bathrooms of how people feel about their company. Um, if, if you walk in and they've completely destroyed the bathroom, uh, with graffiti or anything else like that, you, you know, that either they don't care about the place that they work or whoever is running the, the company doesn't care about giving them a nice place to go because nobody looks at bathrooms. <laughs> so like the, 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 there's little things that we've learned over the years to do. Um, and they are, and none, none of it's a absolute the one way or another, but it, you start getting a sense pretty quickly of what what are we looking at and and how do these people feel about where they work? Yeah, uh, that that's really what I'm curious about because how many people are going and doing this? Uh, it's it's very few. Um, so as you go on this mission, where where did this mission really stem from? Obviously, you guys did manufacturing, but. Really, let's dive into the giving back to the employees. I think yeah. everyone on the, I think everyone turns their head twice, going, "Wait, what? How, how are they? Yeah. How are they? <laughs> how are they going to?" So, um, so I'll kind of explain the genesis of it, and then we'll get into how how it does all work. But what's the genesis of it was my brother and I that our our life goal, mission, whatever you want to call it, has been giving back to communities. Um, and, and, and this is not to say this is purely that we don't also make a living doing stuff like this, but it, it truly, I mean, we, we started one of the first um, true breast cancer charities that was actually helping women, not just uh, for research. We've done a, a bunch of other stuff like that. It's the, how do we give back? Um, and we were talking and we, we, we've been buying manufacturing companies for, for, for years and connecting them and doing all, doing all that we're talking about. And one day uh, we're, we, 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 we had come up with this plan to accelerate the buy cycle. Um, and they, we reached out to our fund, uh, who is now our fund manager. And I said, Hey, um, I want to do this. Explain to me how we can get, get this going and, and, and moving. And I want you on my team. And he turned to me and he goes, if, if you believe do it from the, then I, uh, he goes, then I think the most important thing is, or the best way to do this, I think we should add in a private equity uh, as, as a tool so that we can let other people participate in this. Um, and then we actually went a step further and it's a hundred thousand dollar minimum investment because we wanted a t- very typical investor to actually be able to participate in what we're doing of trying to help uh, help out here. But then it goes a step further. We're, we're talking in a meeting one day and I'm like, it's all about the people. This is, I, I, and I, at one point he said, if it's not all about the people, I don't know why I would be doing it. And he goes, okay. Um, he goes, but we do have to have the returns. We have to do all this stuff. And he turns to me, he goes, what do you think about um, employee stock ownership program? I'm like, explain that to me. And basically what it is, is we will choose the date that we're going to close out. 
then there'll be a vesting period. You'll get, you'll get, um, you'll get shares for time, uh, time served ahead of time. But then there'll be a vesting period where they bought, they use 100% of the, um, the profit to buy back the shares from the, uh, from the main, the main company. So what happens is the employees actually don't pay for anything. They get the ownership because you're using 100% of a profit rollover to pay off, uh, pay off the, the investors. And that happens in a, a, basically in an instant moment. So it benefits both sides. Um, then there's some other really cool stuff because we're buying companies at a lower market, um, which so we're talking three and a half to five, five X um, EBDA. And then we take them to a conglomerated market and their valuation goes up into the 10 to 12 X's. Um, so it, it, the math is built in, um, but realistically, we're you, the, at, we choose a date at that, hey, this is the trigger date. And then from then on, 100% of the profit of the entire corporation goes to pay down the, the purchase price and the employees get 100% of it. Uh, they get 100% of the shares um, and they get it into a retirement product. So it's actually um, into a tax-free environment um, because it's a retirement insurance product for them. So they end up with these big shares. When they retire, they can cash them all out, um, similar to like a 401k. So it's it really is, in all, in all simplicity, it really is truly they're getting, they're going to get the shares. Um, and, and that's what we set out to do. We, uh, and then uh, Kevin and I's father uh, worked in factories our whole life, um, worked graveyard, all that. I think he got laid off. I think it was six or seven times in four years, uh, right wow. before the plant fi- finally closed down. Um, that turmoil as a family, it, that sucks. Um, and, and and what it was was they their company was being bought and sold and tra- traded and flipped and like they 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 switched ownership three or four times in, the, in those years. Like it was a mess. Um, and we don't want people to have to go through that. Um, t- till this day, our first three employees all still work at, uh, at our companies from, from when we were 15 till now. Um, now, granted, they've, they've come up the ladder quite a bit. <laughs> they're, they're no longer near what they started at. They're, they're all have kind of le- leading positions, but we, we truly have focused on how do you make sure that people are taken care of. Um, and in, to that extent, then they take care of the company very well also. Uh, this f- famous for Branson saying, uh, of employees or firmers, we we believe in that philosophy very heavily. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's um, seems to be one of the things that have allowed you guys to really succeed at different ventures in different places. Um, so that that's fascinating. That story about your that was your dad. Yeah, as my, as my, my father. Yeah, I mean that. This is the why. This is where it comes from. And then yeah. each of these people coming back, being able to go to them and say, "Hey, no, you're protected. You're actually going to make a lot more money than you ever thought you would, because you've been contributing to something and you never had equity, but now you do have equity." It fascinating, fascinating. It. it we're we're really excited about it. Um, it's truly, um, actually. So after my father got laid off, we had our our the the final time. They actually shut down the factory they worked at. We had just well, one of our first companies. We just moved into a bigger space. Um, it's things are getting a little crazy. Um, like we, we just started to add gasoline to the fire, and um, 
they got laid off and him and uh, my father and one or two other guys from his plant ended up coming and working for us. It was the first like adults that we had ever had in the building. And it was interesting because we had never had adults around. <laughs> so it was, they're like, they're like, but this isn't the way we do it. And we're like, we're going to try different ways. Um, and it was really cool because it was our first introduction to um, people who had been in factories for 30, 40 years and really seeing how much revitalizing you could really do to this because there was so much that had changed over the last 20, 30 years. And a lot of, a lot of factories just had never changed. They, they were just stuck in the way. Um, so we started learning that with, you, with just a little bit of energy, you could just completely revolutionize the, the, the work and the people. That's a fascinating perspective. Just seeing them come in, I can imagine yeah. them going, this isn't how it works. And you go, <laughs> not how it's going to work. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, totally. And, and then there were times that there were some growing up we had to do. So you took, and that's where the concept for connecting all these plants come is they had 30, 40 years of knowledge that there was stuff that like, don't do that. It's stupid. And then there was stuff that we'd look at and go, no, no, guys, that's how you used to it. But let's try this way. It, it, your body won't hurt as much at night. And we started working those two perspectives in. Um, and it was awesome. It, it was like, we, we realized how much, how much progress we could really get done without, without any like insane adjustment other than just listening to people and, and like working with them. I, they might've been your most valuable asset just to have those people to get real time feedback going. Yeah. Hey, we need, because now you go into all these other plants. Cause now I'm just seeing this whole picture of where you go into other plants and you're like, no, 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 we don't do that anymore. We need you to rest. Like we yeah, need you exactly. to rest. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, guys, this isn't the old school way of just kill your body. And like, I, I remember my dad, when we were little coming home, they, they, they he worked in a printing uh, factory and the, <laughs> wouldn't wear gloves while they're mixing inks. So like his hands would be like bright blue for four days because the ink had stained them so much. You're like, why weren't you wearing gloves? Like just simple, something as simple as that. And you're like, oh, no. we were in a facility on the other side of uh, the United States. It was in Wisconsin um, about two, three months ago. We we're looking at buying this place. And one of the employees is washing his hands with MEK. MEK has been illegal in California for 30 years, I think. Um, and it's still legal in Wisconsin. And we're just like, my brother and I turned to each other. And we're like, if we buy this place, first thing we do is get these guys safe chemicals. Okay. <laughs> like, like this, We're just going to start there. So it's cool to be able to go in and really make a change here. Um, and almost every time people are a little hesitant and then one or two goes well. And they're like, wait. I went home and I didn't hurt yesterday. What else you got for me? <laughs> and it's like, see, there, there is a new, there is a new world happening right now. That's incredible. Cause I mean, that's one of the oldest industries and most people have stayed there and haven't changed at all. Um, but the, the real benefit I see from you guys is just having that new fresh perspective and really bringing that to these older, uh, mindsets and these older perspectives and providing them a lot of insight and working with each other to help because it solves a lot of issues. And I mean, this isn't just with manufacturing. This could, this concept is used with everyone. That is why 
old people mentor with young people like that that's why it works is because there's so much differences and so many barriers and you're overcoming it all yeah well and uh, that was one of the coolest things about starting at the age that we did um we were the cute young kids to all of the older guys so and and, and actually to that point older um women it like they they would take us under their wing and be like Hey, stupid kids, like, let me show you how this works. And we make sure, great, we'll learn anything. We love it. And that was, we got that balance so early on. And it's been awesome because we learned that, hey, uh, there are reasons why things are being done the way they are. And there's reasons why things need to change. And if you can balance those two, you've got a very golden formula. Yeah, especially with you guys being so young and so looking to learn and then you can sit there and go kevin that's that that's silly that's silly (laughs) (laughs) don't tell dad but that makes no sense and then you move on and you're like (laughs) oh yeah and and there's there's been plenty of times i had um we, we i mean we've got some very very uh intelligent uh very seasoned um team members now uh nowadays um and I mean, from guys who helped launch Tesla to like, I mean, you, you just you, it really cool, uh, really cool team. And it's fun because we tell this day, you take everybody in a room, you grab a whiteboard and you're like, okay, what can we, what can we do to make this better? Um, I'll give you an example. We had one on Friday of last week. Uh, I actually was, I was at my house, uh, house in Texas and I logged in. We got overhead cameras over almost all of our production. Lines. And I logged in because I'm like, ah, oh, you know, they, they're like, hey, we're, we need help on uh, one of these lines. Like things aren't going great. I'm like, okay, cool. So I log in. I start looking at it. I'm like, huh, that's weird. So I call up one of the older guys. I'm like, hey, what do you think about this, this, and this? Okay. And we found a kid that was walking an extra four feet um, uh, every every time he had to put something in. Okay. And, and this is where our line jam starts happening. Now I make a f- phone call to, uh, to a couple of people. I'm like, hey, are you guys seeing what I'm seeing? And they're like, yeah, just that's weird i wonder what happened um okay so we call the line manager and go hey can you move the table that he's working on just move it three and a half four feet to the right like just that nothing else they ended up adding 50 percent in production in under an hour and removing uh 30 percent of the work uh the workforce into another section of the building and then but it was that it was patient with the guys were like this looks the other one's like that poor guy's walking an extra two and a half miles a day to, to do this movement. <laughs> like, dude, and he's like, Why well, I, I it felt weird, but I didn't want to ask. And we're like, dude, if you're walking two and a half miles a day, just tell us. <laughs> that's fascinating because it's just you just need other perspectives, and it, it's yeah. that simple and it enhances everything that much more. Product cost goes down. Great, cool. Let's keep it going. <laughs> Yeah, totally. But but yeah, so that, that's the kind of stuff that that makes this special. You, you build a team that you can just bounce ideas off of constantly, um, and and it's a living, breathing organism. I mean, especially I mean, right now with supply chain, where you don't always know if you're going to get the metal order that you placed in tomorrow. Like so, keeping that fluidity of all the production lines, it it works with really good collaboration. 
And that's what we build. It's just the most collaborative environment we possibly can. And taking old ideas, new ideas, stupid ideas. Like I have some of our best ideas. I kid you not have come from like somebody who had like, these girlfriends walking through and goes, that looks weird. We're like, huh, at this point, that doesn't look weird. And we're like, great, your insight works too. So it's really, really understanding that it's it's just about figuring it out and how, how to make everything more effective. Yeah, I love that because it's such an efficiency lens where everyone's looking for it, but it's not that anyone is better than anybody else. In the regard that you yeah. can provide insight that I would have no idea. And that's, exactly. that's amazing stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, we have something here when we've got really large issues on. We go try to grab somebody from every department. Yeah. Like the 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 receptionist at the front desk will go down to talk about a production issue. And everyone's like, well, why do you do that? I'm like, because she's the only one who hasn't seen it a thousand times. So maybe she has an insight that we don't. So that's incredible. So how can people find out more about your company if they want to invest if they want to speak to you how how do they go about that process what's the best way to find out more okay so um if you want to know anything know more about mrca um mrca.net is our website it's got pretty much everything on there um there is also if you want to talk directly to me there is access to my uh, to schedule a one on one meeting with me or or with my brother, um, and we we will take a meeting with pretty much anybody. Um, we do love talking about this and, and what we're doing. Um, if you're interested in investing, there uh, the website has a lot of investment information. Also, uh, we've got links to webinars that we're uh, doing tw- uh, twice a week, and um, and also I I always happy to jump on the phone and talk with somebody and explain what we're doing. Um, I, I really, I think it's, it's going to be a major help to where we're at as a, uh, as a country and, and as local communities. So I appreciate anybody who uh, goes and checks it out. Absolutely. I thank you for everything you're doing. And I'll put all that information in the show notes too. Jason, thank you, man. This has been Sweet. incredible. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been a blast. Thank you again. Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in.